my funeral's a little longer than <laughs> you gave to those chairs. So. <laughs> All right. Well, today's text is uh, Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 3. And um, let me read these verses and then make a comment or two. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And then this verse is really the core. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I want to speak on the first of those two elements. I want to speak today on the word kindness. And uh, we will be fishing through the scriptures um, for kindness. Uh, I put that word fishing in for Rebecca because she always wants an allusion to fishing in my messages. So there it is, Rebecca. Two weeks ago, you might remember that Bill spoke on mercy. Uh, Vessels of Mercy was the title of his message, and I was already thinking about kindness uh, being the focus of this message, and so that really encouraged me that he, that I was on the right track, that as he spoke about mercy. And then um, last week, when Dave did the call to worship, I noticed that he read these very verses, especially Proverbs 3, 3, about not letting kindness and truth leave you. So I really feel we're, we're um, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit uh, and that this is a season where we're to look at these words of mercy and grace and kindness. Those three words in particular kind of form a cluster of meanings in the scriptures where the definitions, as Bill mentioned, overlap a lot. But I want to try to bring out this idea of ki- kindness for you Uh, to meditate upon. The Greek word for kindness is krestotes, uh, and after pondering many definitions of kindness, I settled on this user-friendly definition. In other words, you can kind of get lost in the weeds if you try to think deeply about kindness. How is it different than goodness, for example? How is it different than gentleness? How is it different than grace, and so on? So um, a real easy definition that I think is as close as any is that kindness is tender love in action. Kindness is tender love in action. Steve, could you turn up the sound a little bit over here? I'm getting signals that I'm not loud enough. Um, Tender love in action. And kind, being kind or kindness is also a state of being or a disposition that we can carry around in us. You remember from Galatians 5.22 that kindness is a gift, excuse me, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so here's a little fuller definition. It's one who is sympathetic, who is helpful or useful, someone who is generous, um, someone who is patient, and naturally affectionate in spirit towards others. So a a kind person, when they encounter someone new, uh, they they just radiate 
an acceptance and a desire to be useful and um, a tenderness and a generosity and a sympathetic uh, spirit. So this morning we're going to, um, I'm going to make basically four points about kindness. The first is that kindness is a fundamental attribute of God. That's where we'll start. Kindness is a fundamental attribute or nature of God. Secondly, it has a unique quality and character. Third, um, it is a required uh, disposition for the kingdom man and woman. And fourth, it's thoroughly desirable, but very easy to lose. So let's take a look at these in order. Just by the way, am I too loud now? No? Okay, good. Okay, so we start by noting that kindness is a fundamental attribute of God. Kindness has its foundation and its source in God. For example, in Ephesians 2, uh, 5 and 8, you might want to turn there if you have your Bibles. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7, we see the fact that grace is couched in kindness. And kindness is the attribute that God wants us to see that is resident in his grace. Let's read those verses together. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now pay special attention to verse 7. In order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That he might show his grace couched in kindness. Um, one commentator said of this verse 7, uh, he called this verse God's marketing program, uh, his marketing strategy, uh, strategy as it were. And the way I understand this verse is that his great grace toward us in Jesus Christ is meant to display this fundamental part of his nature, his kindness. In other words, you know, in the Christian world, we focus on grace a lot, don't we? It's like grace is, is the sine qua non. It's the, the queen of the things that we talk about as Christians, the grace of God. And yet, maybe behind that grace, this verse is saying, is the kindness of God. In other words, the grace is meant to display his kindness. And... Um, Maybe we ought to be more focused on God's kindness. His kindness is expressed by his grace, and his grace demonstrates this found, uh, fundamental attribute of his kindness. Let's turn over to Titus 3 and look at a place where this is talked about in, in more direct terms. And I'm going to read, starting in verse 1 and read through 7, and uh, we'll note a few things as we go. So again, Titus um, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. 
This is Paul writing to Titus as Titus ministers on the island of Crete. And Paul says to Timothy, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. That sounds like kindness to me, doesn't it? That phrase, every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. That phrase to me sounds like the opposite of kindness, malice, envy, hating, hating one another. Now look at verse 4 though, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, uh, Paul could have used the word grace there, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So again, it seems like it's God's grace, his mercy, finds its source in this attribute of kindness. Uh, have you ever thought of that before? That, that God is wanting us to be in touch with his kindness. Um, how many of you would, here would say, I have tasted the kindness of the Lord? Man, I, I have tasted the kindness of the Lord. In verses, well, we see in verse 4 his kindness. In verse 5 that God's tender love took action and saved us. And in verses 1 and 2, Paul is advocating to the Cretans to whom Titus is ministering. These were a people group who, who were known for lying, for laziness, for um, immorality. And so... Paul was emphasizing that they develop a culture of kindness, one that is espoused for us as well in our day and time. King David seemed to understand this attribute of God's kindness when he said in uh, 2 Samuel 9, 3, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? It, what, a, what a spirit. Imagine King David walking through his palace and um, wondering what to do that day, you know, and he decides that what he wants to do is find someone in Saul's house to whom he can show the kindness of God. And you remember the story how he went to a town, a small town that the Hebrew word means a place with no bread, and he finds Mephibosheth and he elevates Mephibosheth, who's lame in both feet, uh, to his own table. And isn't that what God has done with us? We are broken, and uh, we are in a place of sin, a place where there's no bread, and yet God comes and he elevates us and brings us to his table uh, that we can eat each and every day. This attribute of the kindness of God is where we start. Secondly, kindness has a unique quality 
and is somewhat different than mercy and grace. Uh, last week in Bill's sermon, or two weeks ago, he used the um, illustration of a police officer um, being merciful. I think it was, was it to a, someone who was speeding, Bill? Um, anybody been in that situation where God has been merciful to me, a speeder? Yeah. I had, when I was in high school, I at 16, I had just gotten my license, and I was going 90 and a 70, and I lost my license for a month, got my license back, and a couple weeks later, got stopped again, uh, but I wasn't going that fast, and uh, he only wrote me a warning. And oh, I was so glad. Uh, he was merciful to me, a speeder. But... Um, so if you're stopped for speeding and you clearly deserve a $120 ticket, a $150 ticket, and uh, instead you get a warning, Carlos, has that ever happened to you? Yes. Instead you get a warning, um, that is a police officer extending mercy. Now what I want you to notice about that is that in that situation, mercy requires a superior and an inferior. In other words, really the only, the person who, there's a person who's in a superior position who can extend mercy, and there's a person in an inferior position who can receive mercy. It really doesn't work the other way. Here's one definition that says, mercy is an outward manifestation of pity. It assumes the need of the one who receives it, and resources adequate to meet the need on the part of him who shows it. Now, kindness is different, though. Kindness, there doesn't need to be... Um, kindness can be expressed from an inferior to a superior, a superior to an inferior, or people who are on an equal plane. If I'm unloading my car out in the parking lot and a, um, and a homeless alcoholic man or woman comes by and they offer to help me bring boxes into the church and they don't ask for anything, they're just being helpful that person has expressed kindness to me. Or if I'm ministering to one of them and, and uh, I share something of my life and they show empathy and, and, and pray for that situation, um, they are showing kindness to me. Likewise, I can show kindness to them. There's a sweetness, a usefulness, an altruism, an attention to detail, a graciousness, and patience in kindness. How many of you wrestle with impatience? That's one of the, you know, uh, love is what? In 1 Corinthians 13, love is, isn't it amazing that patience is the first thing listed? Uh, and how suitable that is, because we want to just pursue our own agenda for the day, and uh, I have my agenda, and Laura has her agenda, and you know, um, that's all I'll say about that. But a great example of kindness uh, that I might share with you this morning, to me, in my world, is Debbie Manchester um, in her role as secretary here at the church. Debbie is so kind to people. She's, you know, she's got a million tasks to do here, 
in her role as secretary, and yet she's constantly being interrupted by the doorbell, by the mailman, by people who have needs, and yet she's so patient and so kind, and she wants to be useful. How many of you have witnessed that? She wants to be useful and help, and um, she's the kind of person that you can call and say, Debbie, would you do this? And it's just an immediate yes. There's very little hesitation. There's no excuses about why she can't do it. Uh, I think when we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in each other, it's okay to commend each other. Um, it's okay to say, you're running well. Uh, I'm, I'm so inspired by you. Keep running well, and I'll try to catch up. And that's kind of how I feel about Debbie and this idea of kindness. Truly, kindness is an unsung hero in our faith. We don't talk about kindness much. I don't know that we think about it much. But I just did a kind of a skim through the scriptures that I want to share with you in the next few moments. Kindness is to be on our minds and in our response to adversity. Please turn with me to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Or if you'd like to just listen, that's fine. I'm going to read verse 1 and then verses 3 through 6. And I want you to see the attitude of the Apostle Paul here. He's, it's one of those passages where he's listing all the adversity that he's been through. And then he lists his response. Uh, so in verse 1, he says this, And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 3. Giving no cause for offense in anything in order that the ministry be not discredited. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God. And here he starts his list of afflictions. He says, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. Just imagine, just put yourself in that kind of a life and think, what would your response be? If anybody could sort of cop or adopt a victim mentality, it would be the Apostle Paul. If anybody could say, somebody owes me, if anybody could walk around with that attitude, it might be the Apostle Paul. But now he's going to go on and list his attitude. He says, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, and so on and so on. So Paul was mindful that in adversity he was going to respond, among other things, with kindness. What an inspiration. What an incredible um, reality. The kindness of the Lord, um, we are not to think lightly of the kindness of the Lord from Romans 2.4. We're to know its purpose, that, is, that it is meant to lead sinners to what? Repentance. That's right. So kindness has a purpose. We're not to think lightly of it. We're to remember that we are a special people who have tasted the kindness of the Lord, 1 Peter 2.3 says. We are to love kindness in Micah 
6.8. You can probably quote this verse. But he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness. Do you love kindness? It's a simple question. Do you love it? Do you pursue it? Is it even on your mind? It's good to be reminded of these things and to walk humbly with your God. We're to put on kindness. Kindness is listed in the love chapter um, and is second only to patience as a demonstration of agape love. It is the fifth fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5.22, and it's second from the last on Peter's staircase of um, godly qualities that he describes, as he says, become partakers of the divine nature. So uh, brotherly kindness is second from the top. Here's Colossians 3.12. As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, we are to put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, to the ancient Hebrews, the seat of all the tender emotions was called the splankna, and it meant the bowels. And the idea was that those tender, caring emotions come from the deepest part of ourselves. And indeed, they will if we will allow them. Kindness is close to affection. This tender love, this affection of God is available to us as Paul testifies in Philippians 1.8, for God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, that tender love that we see in each other. You know, I read several sermons on kindness, and uh, I kept bumping up against a certain illustration. I couldn't find the primary source for this illustration, but uh, I'll share it with you anyway. It's the idea that the Greek words for Christ, Christos, and the Greek word for kind, Krestos, are very similar. There's only one letter difference. And that in the early days of Christianity, some towns and people groups couldn't figure out if the Christians were followers of Christ or if they were followers of kindness. Isn't that beautiful that these early Christians were so dedicated to kindness that uh, those who weren't quite sure, hadn't quite heard enough about Christ, couldn't figure out which it was. Third, kindness is a required disposition of a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. We've already read Proverbs 3.3 that says, My son, in verse 1, and then in 3, do not let kindness leave you. But how about for women? Do you remember Proverbs 31? What is to be on her tongue? Anybody? The teaching of kindness, right? That a godly woman has that teaching of kindness on her tongue. And how beautiful that is when that is demonstrated. Then in Luke 6, uh, where Jesus is speaking, he says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful 
and even evil men. So this issue of kindness. Another verse is Ephesians 4.32. I could take a stab at it, but I want to get it right. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. In Acts 27 and 28, we read about the Apostle Paul on a ship uh, headed to Rome to stand before Caesar. And you might remember the story how there was a, a tremendous storm. There were 267 people on board, uh, and the storm went on for two full weeks, 14 days. Um, they ended up, they weren't eating during these 14 days. They, they got to the point where they even threw the tackle of the ship overboard uh, and just went with the wind. It was a northeaster. Um, 276 persons, and um, toward the end of those 14 days, Paul said, uh, I want everyone to eat. Um, the Lord has visited me and told me that we will all be, all be saved. Uh, but I, so I take heart, I want you to eat. So they ate a meal, they ate bread, and then they even threw the wheat, they even threw their food overboard. Imagine not eating for 14 days, eating a meal, and then throwing your food overboard. Imagine the cold and the wet and the dark and the storm and the panic and the fear and the dread. Uh, some of the guys tried to get in a lifeboat, pretend they were going to fix the lifeboat or something. They got in, uh, uh, but the captain got them out because Paul said, if they, if they leave the ship, we'll all, perish, we'll all perish. And so really a tremendous storm. Um, and in the end, they run aground on an island, and uh, the nose of the ship is, is into a reef or the sand, and the back of the ship is being bashed by the waves and breaking up. And so um, the captain says, everybody who can swim, jump overboard and swim for shore. And those that can't, grab a board or a plank or a barrel or something. And so everybody makes it to shore. And then Paul says this, that, um, that the inhabitants of this island called Malta showed us extraordinary kindness. They built a fire for us and they received us. Now, what does received mean? I would at least think it meant the offer of food and maybe some, some, something for warmth other than the fire. But uh, be that as it may, Paul noted that these unbelievers showed extraordinary kindness. Well, we who have tasted the kindness of the Lord ought to be able to do the same or better. Amen? Uh, it's difficult sometimes to do, but we can do it. We are those who have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Lastly, kindness is thoroughly desirable and yet easy to lose. One year at the conclave, um, for whatever reason, I became obsessed with the notion that God was going to turn me into a white-haired, uh, shuffling, old man who just 
uh, oozed love and kindness and wisdom. And uh, I just didn't like that. It's kind of an angry phase in my life, and I thought, that is just not cool. I don't want to be that. Uh, and so I was kind of uh, wrestling with the Lord about that. But here's the verse that came to mind or uh, cropped up, Proverbs 19.22. What is desirable in a man is his kindness. Again, Micah 6.8 says we are to love kindness. And Proverbs 3.3, 3, don't let kindness leave you. Indeed, it's easy to lose kindness, isn't it, through an attitude that can creep up on us, through self-centeredness, through the cares of this world. That's a big one for me, just getting going and addressing physical and natural issues in my life and kind of just losing that kindness, that openness, that willingness to stop and to visit and care. We can lose kindness through self-pity, can't we? Uh, through a sense of entitlement, like somebody owes me, by gum. Somebody owes me. My kids, my spouse, everybody, or God. We can, we can take on that attitude so easily, an entitlement attitude. Frankly, I see this attitude all the time, and it's mostly among aging people where life didn't turn out the way we expected, and there were some big disappointments. It's so easy to get that attitude. My brother-in-law, Dave, um, very interesting guy, he says that when a person gets into their 50s, they don't put up with any flack anymore. You ever feel that way? If you've hit 50 especially, you, you, you feel like, I'm just not going to put up with any <clears throat> from you. Uh, and it... You know, when I heard him say that, it was really like, yes. It was, it was like it gave me permission to um, not be so nice anymore. And yet, and yet, the scriptures don't go that way, do they? The scriptures go the exact opposite about um, to be better instead of bitter, that we adorn kindness instead of criticism, that we become more gracious and patient instead of less. Anybody have an amen for that? You know, uh, if the Lord blesses us financially, we can become rich snobs real fast. If, um, you know, we can get real focused on politics and become political snobs, can't we? Where we know everything, we know how this country should run, and, and we've got it all figured out, and everybody else are hacks. We can become spousal snobs, you know? Our spouse's job is to serve me. That's the unspoken and maybe sometimes spoken contract. Your job is to serve me, my job is to be served. You know, that kind of a, an attitude. We can become generational snobs, where our kids, our kids were, were pretty good, but the kids coming up, they are dirty, rotten kids. You know what I mean? Um, we can become generational snobs. We can, we can become victim martyr snobs, where everybody owes us something because of what we've been through. You know, we've been through so much. 
we can become even church snobs where my church is such a great church and everybody else's church stinks. Isn't that great? Yeah. No, the scriptures say, don't let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What is desirable in a man is his kindness. And he has shown you, O man, what is good and is required of you to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You know, the, the, the veneer of grace and kindness can get awfully thin sometimes. And um, if we're not careful, we will almost enjoy letting it get thin. But I think this morning, we, I would just like to offer an invitation to any who would want to pray that that veneer of kindness that w- would be thicker, that we would, again, decide to make the right decisions about continuing in kindness, remembering that it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own, can we? So... If you feel like that's an appropriate prayer for you this morning, I'd invite you to stand and we'll pray together. Um, If you would like um, some acceleration or some uh, uh, blessing from the Lord in this area to pursue and love kindness because you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, if the veneer's been getting thin, let's pray together, okay? Just give you a moment to stand if you would like, if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Father, we thank you so much for how you lead us and guide us week after week about what to preach and what to say, and we just trust that these have been your words And uh, we thank you for your word that's so rich and so full that we can pick out a word like kindness and just be blown away with the depth and the riches. And we just, first of all, Lord, we just acknowledge that you are the source of all kindness, that your love is tender and affectionate. And we pray that in our bearing and that in our words and in how we receive people and how we act, that uh, we could uh, reflect, we could show forth and demonstrate that kindness because we are those who have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Father, we ask your forgiveness for attitudes that have crept in where the cares of the world or selfishness or hurt or self-pity or whatever has caused us to um, not not have had a right attitude and we've become protective of ourselves and maybe even lashing out. We pray that you would change all that, Lord. We just admit our bankruptcy without the enabling of your Holy Spirit. We pray that when people come into this body, Lord, they would sense the kindness of the Lord. 
Um, we pray that uh, we would especially be uh, kind toward those who are less fortunate than, ourse- than ourselves, who need a hand up, and uh, help us not to become bitter uh, politically or bitter uh, socioeconomically or bitter spiritually or bitter in our marriages, God. We ask you to root that out of us and uh, to walk in kindness, to walk in grace, to walk in love, and um, to not be satisfied with superficiality in ourselves. Uh, so, God, we just ask you to hear our prayers this morning. We, we believe we're in, in, in sync with your word and your Holy Spirit. So, we just, we just uh, lay ourselves before you and dedicate ourselves afresh to you. We ask for extra grace, Lord, for those people who, whose personalities test us um, and help us to know that, that, that we're nothing. Um, and that, uh, that uh, people are not in our lives by accident, but you have placed each one there. So, Lord, we love you, we honor you, we bless you. Uh, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit sanctifying us day by day, even when we're not aware of it. We pray we'd be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, Lord, to your correction, and um, we also just uh, know there are times where kindness, we need to be tough, too, uh, sometimes in, in being kind and loving, so help us with those special times. We just bless you and praise you and ask for a good week, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jim. Good song.